I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. We uh, we're coming at you shorthanded tonight. We're on we're on a bit of a penalty kill. Uh, my panel, we're missing the uh, the wonderful Kelly Hinkle and her replacement. Couldn't call him up. For, couldn't get here from Binghamton fast enough to get here on the bus. Uh, Joey Pierogi's not here either. But who is here is most important. First and foremost, Stephalicious D-Steph Driver. Sue, Bill, Dave Haxtall came out over the weekend and expressed his support behind the U.S. women's national team. And this is a big deal, not only because I was not prepared to like this guy <laughs> this week or the end of this season. Um, Travis actually wrote about it today. Like, this is a big deal for a guy who has his roots in the college D1 hockey teams um, where USA Hockey is actively trying to recruit new players from. Um, But also, he's a dual citizen. He's got a lot of friends, I guess, within USA Hockey and Paul Holmgren is really connected to USA Hockey. He's the only head coach that's come out and, and said anything. So this is a this is a big deal, and it's it's positive. Having uh, Hackstall having the roots in the development of the game is a big deal because he's he's not just part of the NHL boys club. He's you know from North Dakota has his hands in the development process uh, as a as a college coach and a guy who had a job for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's good to hear. Uh, that Hackstall and some players now are saying that there will they will in solidarity boycott the uh, the world the men's world championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think what the women are doing is actually like really friggin' incredible. So not only have the active women both their their the national team I, I don't I guess the regular one, but then also the under eighteen teams they've all said no we're we're boycotting a high school senior turned them down every single other individual every other woman that they have contacted to be a replacement has said no every single one from people who have been in usa hockey system for years waiting to get their chance waiting for somebody to retire so that they can get called up someone people who are a little bit younger and are waiting. They're the next wave of professionals to come through. 
Um, then you've got the high school kids who aren't even there yet, and they're saying no. You've got people who have been out of the Team USA system for years. Yeah, they're, they're still getting they're contacted. Con- they're contacting like adult leaguers, which is beer leaguers. Steph, I have one question for you. Yeah. You got skates? No. This could be your chance. Is, is this it? This, this is could it? be it. I think we can get you on this team. Like, oh, she God. has a prominent hockey podcast. <laughs> she's a huge Flyers fan. If you haven't heard, she's the mother of both Jacob Chickering, Michael Roffel, and Austin Matthews. Clearly great bloodlines. That's true. It's very true. They're all my sons. <laughs> I said both, and that was three. Yeah, that was, I was three. going to say that. <laughs> That's okay. That Word vo- choices, Bill. <laughs> that voice you heard right there. The man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So I'm going to talk about a guy who Flyers fans understandably do not like very much. And so, 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 you mean Dave Haxtell? Uh, well, I mean, there is him. But. That's what I thought you were going to bring up. Sorry, Charlie. I'll get to you in a second. Okay, but there's okay. three of us. We got time. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up the Philly.com article about how two, like everyone replied, because Dave Haxtell tweeted it, yeah. uh, that he supports the, the women's movement uh, for, you know, like to get treated like actual athletes. And... Uh, Everyone just replied like, "I don't support you playing Chris Vandevelde and shit, yeah, and shit like that." Because obviously, if he had tweeted "Good morning" or like, would have been what everyone was like, "I support beer," people would have said the exact same thing. But Philly.com went and was like, "Oh, all these people are like saying uh, they're trashing Dave Haxton." What a what a great article to write. I mean, yeah, Charlie, we'll get we'll get to you in a second. This fucking article, the the headline. So it was there were like two people who actually were like, "No one." cares like about the women's like people who actually like hockey are like you know, growing the game's good, regardless of who we're trying to support. Uh, anyone who wants to play hockey, I support it fully. Like, like this, this fucking headline, fans rip Flyers coach Dave Haxtall over tweet supporting U.S. women's team fair pay fight. Like, no the fuck they didn't. They ripped Dave Haxtall for being a shitty coach. Yeah, there were just like 12 sarcastic replies, and then like two morons were like, no one likes women's sports. Yeah, was, and that was it. Please support and put an end to putting bad players on the yeah, ice, too. Like that, I don't support player. your decision to keep playing Andrew McDonald and destroying the creativity of Travis Konechny. You should go coach women's hockey better suited for you, no contact. Which, all right, that's dumb. Um, uh, All day Haxtell likes this contact. I I support your search for a college coaching job next year. (laughs) Yeah. Worry about coaching your team first, bud. You're the worst coach in Philly. Uh, Yeah. You can't coach. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you can't coach in a city like Philadelphia and keep playing someone like AMAC and keep your job. Doesn't work. Less tweeting, more making the playoffs. It's like his first tweet in months. Yeah, have have fun getting fired. (laughs) He's never gonna. Yeah, it was pretty pretty vicious. Charlie, I really only cut you off because I got another uh, more Charlie. Shut up, your Skip Bayless tweet this week. So I'm trolling that person. Oh, okay, okay. The man, as long as that's the reason. The man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. So as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by Bill. Um, going to talk a little bit about Sidney Crosby, who was in the news a lot last week for two incidents. First being a, uh, a crotch shot, which was about the most blatantly obvious intentional play I've seen in a long time. And Crosby later tried to say, oh, no, I just meant to lift his stick. Like, <laughs> I don't really think that's how it works, buddy. But anyway, um, the second one was the one that really got people angry, which was as, uh, as Mark Mathod, who's, on, who's a defenseman on, on the Senators, is skating into the zone. Crosby takes a whack at his, at his hand. You know where he's holding the stick, and Mathot takes his glove off, and his finger is basically missing, fa- falling off, like <laughs> yeah. it's hanging off. And of course, now like Mathot's out for a while because that tends to happen when he's you lose half your third finger. of his finger. <laughs> and what kind of hockey player is he that this is keeping him out of the lineup? 
I know, right? Take the whole hand and get your ass out there. <laughs> but what I want to say about this is, number one, we can, I think most, pretty much every Philadelphia fan, but really most NHL fans can agree, the Sidney Crosby is kind of like a sneaky, dirty player. He's always no, kind of been a sneaky, sneaky, dirty player. Like, that's just him. He's Bobby Clark. Yeah, well, you know, Clark was much more dirty, I think, than Crosby. Well, but adjusted for era. Adjusted for era. Okay, maybe. <laughs> um, at the same time, there were people that were calling for Crosby to be suspended for this. And I thought that was kind of insane. Reason being is that as much as I wish that play didn't happen, as much as I wish that you weren't able to just hack the hell out of a guy's hand, like there was that Johnny Goudreau video. The Goudreau, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where they just spent the whole game hacking him, and eventually, you know, he missed a month because he got got slashed on the wrist 35 times. Exactly. Like, that shouldn't be in the NHL. But the fact of the matter is, is that it is. And the refs let it go. The refs don't seem to care when star players get slashed, when anybody gets slashed across the hands. It's just an accepted part of the game. And the only difference in this play was that Crosby happened to just get him at that weird angle that broke his finger off. That's not saying that it was good that he did it. It's also not saying that that should be allowed. It's just saying that you can't suspend someone. You can't severely punish someone solely based on the outcome when you let everybody else in the league get away with it. Like, the problem here is not that... Well, we let Sidney Crosby get away with knocking a guy's finger off. The problem here is that the refs ignore this shit all the time, and they shouldn't. Like, we should have a more open game. Star players should not have to worry about getting their hands slashed all game because refs should call this shit. And if they, it'll be, you know what it would be? It would be like the first season in the lockout, where for the first three months out of the year, it was like constant power plays because everybody had to adjust to the new rules. And then by the end of the year, there were less power plays because people stopped doing this shit. Because Mike Mike Ratchie and Darian Hatcher were already out of the lineup. lineup. But seriously, like the players would adjust if they started calling these slashes on the hands. They would just have to call them for an extended period of time. And the NHL and the refs are clearly scared to do it. That's the problem here. That's what needs to be fixed. I hate that they won't call it. And I really hate that a broken stick is an automatic slashing call <laughs> when it's the stick like it's the you're I want the guy attacking the stick like that's what I want him to do and if it breaks it breaks it, it, like those things are so light that's the way it goes but the hands and wrists seem to be yeah anything goes yeah my real issue with Crosby isn't that he's and the one thing I will say is that it's stupid that the NHL does it this way but they do legislate based on out they Based shouldn't, on but you're right, they do. But like this one thing, and because it's Crosby, everyone goes, they don't do it because it's Crosby. No, they just let this stuff go. But my biggest issue is Crosby slashes someone in the balls. He slashes off someone's finger. Nobody jumps him. Uh, just no. do it. Well, then you're suspended for the rest of the year. So what? Put out Chris Vandevelde, who's got no business on, in, <laughs> on the ice anyway, well, and say, go do your job. I don't think Guess you what? know Mathot this, Mathot just but lost Chris Vandevelde is actually a skilled hockey player, and he should not be punching faces. Send out any random fourth liner and say, go do Travis your job. Travis Konechny. Yeah, Travis Konechny. <laughs> we'll He's get, a fourth liner now, apparently. We'll get to that in a minute. And uh, I, my, uh, I, I got to talk about, uh, I got to talk about, quote unquote, sucker punching. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, San Jose's Michael Haley got, uh, got suspended for one game for sucker punching i'm using air quotes here and i remembered we're on the radio so i'm sucker punching no, you're not I, my hands don't, are just in my lap okay like, uh, don't lie to our audience <laughs> for sucker punching uh callie i can't I, y- yarn crock I, 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 I spelled it phonetically and i still can't <laughs> <laughs> sucker punching callie yarn crock of the predators uh, after yarn crock boarded him uh, the other night and 
I have no problem with the suspension because uh, Haley just got up and chased him down, and Yorn Croc wanted nothing to do with it, and he kind of just got around a big crowd and punched him in the face anyway. Which It looked pretty ugly. It looked ugly, but... I may have seen the wrong video because I uh, in this didn't league, think it was bad. In this league, it is an accepted thing that when you run somebody from behind, as Jorn Kroc did to Haley, you then have to answer for what you did. It happens every single time. Even legal hits, which is another thing entirely, but it happens regularly. You can't just push somebody into the boards and the numbers and then skate away and be like, nah, I ain't fighting. Well, you're getting beaten up whether you want to or not, so get your gloves off and try to protect yourself, Callie Yarncrock. I have no problem with the suspension. Hold I on. Don't. One game, fine. He did just go up to him and clock him in the face. But it's not Haley's fault. That young croc wanted nothing to do with it. I mean, there was a scrum from what I'm looking at, right? Like, they were all, there were players together. Well, they, like, they basically, he may have come up quick, but. They basically broke down the video and, like, Yarncroc is ba- is looking the other way and not really, in, like, they're they're engaged in the scrum, but Yarncroc is not paying attention to Haley, who then clocks him in the face. Yeah, he turns down the fight and skates away. He's still holding on to him when he punches him. He got away from him at first, yeah, and then there yeah. was well, then there was a big scrum. yeah. Then there's the big scrum, and Yarncroc's on the one side of it, and Haley cuts through and just comes up to him and clocks him. Good, and he's not looking. Which okay, one game suspension, that's fine, but you can't call it a sucker punch. And I got into the same conversation oh, that's with Wayne what we're, Simmons. That's what we're upset and that's about. That's what I'm all. I'm still right. going back to. Oh, it's not worst. a sucker punch. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about. Yeah, that. glass jaw and wide. My hashtag. I oh. I'll kind of take the other side to a degree. Number one, I think the big thing here is that, like, I don't feel any sympathy to Yarncroc. No, zero. But at the same time, you can't just have players going around punching people who don't want to fight because it sets a really, really, really bad precedent. If you don't want to fight, don't board people. Uh, yeah, don't push their head into the board. Well, but, I don't even think that that's... Oh, God, but, but, I don't but, even think but it's let's, a sucker punch. But let's go back to this. I mean, how is this that much different than the Bertuzzi-Steve Moore incident? Aside from the fact that Yarncroc didn't have his neck broken. Steve Moore did a dirty well, play. Well, he came up behind well, him. But that same kind of thing. The guy didn't want to fight him. He turned away, and then Bertuzzi's like, no, I'm going to punch this guy and drive him into the ice. And then you have a guy whose career ends, and he's got a broken neck. Like, that's what can happen if you allow this shit. That's why that kind of play, as much as you're like, yeah, yeah, screw that guy. He deserved what was coming to him. Like, you can't let that thing happen because Bertuzzi incident. And that's why I'm fine with the suspension, but... You got to fight when you do that kind of thing. I agree. That's the game. I agree. I agree that, like, if you're going to have a play like that, that's a gutless hit, you should answer for it. I totally Don't hit people in the numbers. That's it's the number one. It's the number one rule. It's really the only rule I care about. Pretty much everything else I'm I'll allow for. Don't hit people in the numbers because that shit's dangerous and they can't protect themselves. Yeah. I don't like this whole sense that's happening right here. What sense? What? Charlie was talking sense and Uh, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> I don't okay. like it. You mean like logic? Yeah. Uh, I, I also it. don't have the song queued up because uh, you didn't tell me to, and uh, I don't have it plugged in. I thought that's why you plugged. Well, in. let's okay. just let's no, just start I, talking about flyers. All right. Yeah. Well, the flyers. <laughs> I don't, I'm unprepared. So. The flyers beat the Penguins last night, and 
to me, it was satisfying, even though I said I like just don't want them to win any games. Well, but you did say you yeah. wanted them to be the Penguins. I did. Uh, it was satisfying because it's just nice to get six goals on them. And but like since the season's over, does just, just get beating a team that's contending for a Stanley Cup is that like our moral victories? Acceptable at this point in the season. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, like, we already it, feel bad enough. When it's against Pittsburgh, I think yeah. they absolutely are. Yeah. And, and I mentioned this on my observations this morning that if you remember last season, the Flyers didn't just like lose to the Penguins a lot. Like they got bulldozed in every game except for the very last one when the Penguins had absolutely nothing to play for. And they didn't really play. Yeah, like they didn't give a crap. The Flyers looked like crap against every like every time they played the Mike Sullivan coach Penguins. This year they played them pretty tough. And yes, the Flyers are not that good this year. Yes, they're not going to make the playoffs. But you would hope that next year they will be better. And next year they may make the playoffs. And next year these games against the Penguins might actually matter. And it's a good thing, in my opinion, that they've shown that they can deal with the Mike Sullivan constant pressure attack, attack, attack system. And honestly, drive play against them. Like They outplayed them in probably three of the four games, maybe four of the four if you're being generous. You'd have to be generous, I think. <laughs> well, well, what the the first game was the game where they uh, they got out to the the early lead, then went down four two, then tied it, and then blew it. But like they outshot them like crazy in that whole game. And then in the in the the stadium series game, they outshot them again. It's just Neuver played like garbage. Oh, I thought that one was bad, but. I had also like way given up on the team at when, that point, so anything that they did was bad. When Pittsburgh was in control of that game, it looked insurmountable, but the Flyers were able to answer enough to make it a game. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe you could say game. Pittsburgh was a little bit better, but it wasn't a blowout. No, certainly and, and no. It was a no. winnable game if Neuver yeah. could stop a puck. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you get if you get relatively you know competent goaltending, they're right in it. They could have won it. Like oh, no God. no doubt. That's the story of the season. Goaltending makes me so if they get fucking relatively angry this competent goaltending all year. They're in the playoffs and they played really bad most of the year. And if they get somewhat competent goaltending, they're in. It, this is it's just it's infuriating to me. Absolutely infuriating that Michael Neuvert gets this extension and then plays two games after it. Steve Mason has been going to Vegas. Like, yeah, they, they gave George McPhee signed him to that contract. Can, can we stop with the conspiracy theories? It's not look, a conspiracy. Look, it's, it's a, a consp- fact. And look, this, is, this is awesome. It's I a stone cold it. fact. No, no, it's it's bullshit. Is what it is. Um, but like, can we talk about the reality of what is happening right now? Because that's it's insane. The the rate that he's playing Steve Mason over Michael Neuvert, who they just extended, right? Yes, it is. It does really make you think why the heck they extended Neuver if they don't trust him to play when the team is supposedly battling for a playoff berth. Yes, it's 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 kind of crazy, but like, how many decisions have been made this year that seem crazy? A I, lot. I, I mean, I don't, I can't count them because there are too many. There, there's there's I can't. The thing is, even if we're just talking about the goaltending, yeah. there's the, too many. The thing is, though, this is the right decision. Like, granted, now the season's basically right. over. But, like, yeah. like aside from the one weird start they gave Neuvert in the Toronto the game, Toronto, like, yeah. like, Mason should be starting most of the games yes. because Mason is the better goalie, and Mason has been the better goalie this year. Not to say Mason has been good, but Mason has been better than Neuvert. So he should be starting in most of these games. That's not the dumb thing. The dumb thing was like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then, like, why are you locking up Neuvert? But... Who knows? Did Mason play a back-to-back recently? Yeah. Yeah, he played a back-to-back last week. No, that's bad. That's bad and insane. I mean, yeah. I I know uh, it's the end of the season and who really cares, but like, let's not do that. 
what I took out of uh, the Pittsburgh game was it is just nice to get some competitive balance back in the rivalry. Yeah. And the game last night reminded me of the the rivalry with Bilesma in that they survived the early onslaught even though that you know they give up a goal because that's going to happen it's Pittsburgh they're going to score they score a ton of goals mm-hmm. but they survived the early onslaught and then they come back and they're able to counterpunch and then they just put a run on them which is how they've always beaten Pittsburgh keep it close put a run on them it's I was just really happy, and you you put it on Murray. It's good to get in his head a little because he's going to be their goalie. Uh, so it's just nice. The season is a lost cause, but it's nice to uh, to be able to bounce back and do anything that, that makes Pittsburgh fans LOL. unhappy makes me really happy. That's true. Another good thing about this game was that like this is if you watch that game and you put out of your head for a second that. The Flyer season's basically over, and you put out of your head for a second that the Penguins had a lot of guys injured. Like, that's the type of game and the type of production and the type of process that you want to see from the Flyers next year, where you have Claude Drew getting two assists, where you have Sean Gaturier doing really well, where you have Jordan Wheel surprising everyone by being solid all around. You have Shane Gossespierre back to the last year, Shane Gossespierre being all over the ice and racking up the points and racking up the shots. And you have the Flyers generating scoring chances. It's not like they were just taking shots from the point. Like yeah, I mean when Ghost when Go, when Ghost was blasting away, they were taking shots on the point, but they dominated. That's the Penguins fine when chances. he shoots from the point. Yeah. It's when they constantly pass back <laughs> to Nick Schultz and Brandon Manning. Yeah. You're like, I, I don't think this is the best strategy. But guys. the Flyers dominated in scoring chances. And yeah, how, how many times this year, especially in the first half of this year, do they dominate in scoring chances? Like, rarely. So you watch that even game when and, they were winning and out shooting teams, it was like, oh, they're just doing this on pure volume. Yeah, it's exactly. not scoring chances. Exactly. This game they got a lot of scoring chances, and you watch that game, and you think, okay, you know. If this is the strategy used next year, get to the slot, pass to the slot, play behind the net, things like that, and you're you're also getting production from Drew Voracek, Aturier, guys like that, Like then you look at it and you say, yeah, maybe that's a sustainable formula towards creating a winning team, and that's the positive. The negative over the past few weeks is that then they'll probably follow that up and they'll go out and they'll get blown out 4-1 to by Ottawa. Uh, they have seven games left and two of them are against Jersey. So, oh, so there's two losses right there. Yeah. Awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to watch those, those the games. Fun games to you, watch. Me- you mentioned Brandon Manning. Like, Let's not forget that he is actually the heart and soul of this team. Well, he's actually the reason they won. He's the Mike's only fight. reason. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the game until this morning. I DVR'd it and watched it this morning and so like I knew what happened but I didn't actually, like I didn't see like as soon as, uh, Brandon Manning, the Spark of the Flyers he gets him going here. I'm like, he kicked oh, the shit he's out. Of the, that's his best fight. That's <laughs> the Brandon dominated. Manning I when I saw like who he was in the AHL. Like, oh, he's a 250 penalty minute guy. I expected him to be like able to throw like that. It was nice to see and like taking the moral victories out of things. Okay, Brandon Manning can fight. That's nice. He's our I actually defenseman. still haven't seen that fight. I was watching the Phantoms game, which was on. Um, NHL, the NHL channel. NHL Network. I want to bring up the, what it's actually called. I want to bring up the Phantoms with this next topic, and it's why is Travis Konechny on the fourth line? Because Dave Haxtell is a bad coach. What are you doing, Dave Haxtell? <laughs> this is why we need Kelly. I know. I, um, I tried. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't do it as well. As but there was there was a theory that I actually saw today. Or I was dreaming it up. It may have included you, Charlie. I don't remember. Something about how it's making Travis Konechny work on all aspects of his game. Because- I've seen the level-headed people like Charlie and Ryan talk about how it's like a, a possibility that 
these are just defensive reps he's getting. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we might be giving Haxel too yeah, much credit I mean, here. Well, but but if if you're trying to give like a like a logical justification for why the hell he's playing on the fourth line, it's that. Konechny's biggest weaknesses here this year has been defense, and he's going to be used on a line that doesn't get a ton of minutes, but the minutes they get are primarily defensive and that they're not expected to score a lot, and they figure this is the way. Plus, it's like you watch... Like, Haxel has a very, very positive opinion of Belmar and Vandevelde's defense, and his thought process may be this that... This is shocking. Maybe that, well, if he's if he's on a line with them, he's going to watch them, he's going to see what yeah, you he's should actually, do defensively from positioning. So. Everybody thinks he got demoted. Actually, actually he's on the first line this, that only plays 10 minutes. This is a promotion for yeah. Travis to like Belmar actually is pretty good defensively. Yeah. Vandevelde is is not. No, like, Vandevelde is just just bad. Bum, yeah. But Belmar is pretty good defensively. His problem is that he just cannot score. Yeah, I'd rather him level. be a winger, but Yeah, know. but like Belmar is pretty, he's a fourth line. He's pretty good yeah. defensively. So I don't think it's the worst thing for Konechny to be watching just Belmar's play in the defensive third of the ice. He should be closing his eyes and just like, you know, screaming to prevent <laughs> anything from coming in when he's watching him play in the offensive zone. I love but the defensive zone like, yeah, maybe he could learn a few things. Konechny had that broken shift uh and just got out there was out there with uh some other line mates and I think he set up the Wii goal. Yeah. Like, yeah. There was like the one shift. It was, it was beautiful. Like the pass comes across, he catches but it, drops the puck, and it sets up a Wii skull. My, maybe not theory, but my thought process is um, he's 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 out of gas and he's going to play. That's on, possible. And he's going to play on a line. He's 19 playing in a man's league. Like this happens. It, it's yeah, guys, but you know, they have endurance, the young ones. They do. And they also aren't used to the grind. Like, well, it, it's a give and take with that. Yeah, and even like even the best guys. Like I saw on um, on Twitter, I think a couple of days ago, a couple of the Toronto stat people. Yeah, they that, all that think. Follow, yeah, that they're basically saying like, look at the numbers. Like Matthews looks like he might be wearing down, and Matthews is is huge. Like he's a legitimate one C at yeah, eighteen years he's old. He's a one C, like, and he's like a big dude. Yeah, like he's not Konechny, who's like five ten and one eighty. Like Matthews is already a man, and he's wearing. Yeah, he he might be wearing down. Thank you. <laughs> <Sorry>. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, like, he might be wearing down. And if he's wearing down, then it's not. Totally unrealistic thing that would connect. That's my thought is maybe, maybe that's know. I'm just again trying to apply logic to Dave Haxtell is like trying to apply lipstick to a penguin. Like I don't know if it's possible, but like oh, the beak would make things. But <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, I <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe he's gassed and they want to keep him in the lineup because he is still. Like, he got one shift with uh, away from the fourth line last night and set up Dale Weiss, who, you know, has as much chance of scoring as Belmar, basically. Well, he's actually been an offensive dynamo <laughs> and, recently. And I don't they, know if I can say anything serious on the show tonight, they, guys. I'm sorry. They want to keep him in for that purpose. They want to keep him in because the second power play unit's a disgrace, and without him, it's like, I, I guess I guess Vandevelde's getting power play time now. But, like, tr- truthfully, though, I think the reason why he's playing on the fourth line, and the, I don't think it has much to do with the defense, although probably that's like a side thing that Haxel thinks is good. I think the reason why he's on the fourth line is because Wheel totally deserves to be in the top nine because mm-hmm. he's been great. And Haxel's looking at Weiss and being like, well, this is the first time he's done anything this year, so I'm not taking him off the off the Couturier line. And like, who else? Who are you dropping? Reed, I guess. Reed? Like, Reed's the only guy who you drop. Yeah, so yeah. it's basically Reed or Who Derek. got promoted. He yeah. went from four mm-hmm. to one. Mm-hmm. Like, he went from playing with Belmore and Vandevelde to playing with Giroux. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a replacement for Michael Roffel. It is what it is. But Reed's Maybe. look good, too. And that uh, that's what brings me to my next thing. We're talking about all these guys who are coming around, or maybe they're just getting hot and it's just they're kind of doing it all at the same time. But 
if they finish strong, I'm talking about guys like Couturier, guys like Weiss, does it change your opinion of the season they had? I think that this season is a lost season for them anyway. I think that it was for everyone, and I, I've said that I'm not going to assess player performance based on this season because I think it was crap. Because um, of one person. Yes, Dave Haxtell. Um, Thanks, Deb. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. I don't think... I, I don't like Dale Weiss, but that's mostly because of his contract. I don't like the four years. So I don't think that there's much that he can do that would justify four years. Dale Weiss, for, for reference, we'll start with him. Uh, through his first 50 games, two goals, three assists. Yikes. In his last seven... Three goals, two assists. He matched he matched his production in like a tenth of the time. Well, one thing you do have to like acknowledge is that a lot of these guys, they were bound to start scoring at some point. Like the percentage were they? the percentages were so ridiculously unfavorable towards them that like eventually the bounces were gonna start going their way. Like, especially guys, you know that Weiss is one of them, Couturier is another. Ghost is another, like, the shooting percentage. The only shooting percentage he was dealing with was insane. Drew was another. Like, there were guys who were, they were going to get hot before the end of the year or else they were going to have, like, historically unlucky seasons by the numbers. At the same time, like, it does it redeem their seasons? For Weiss, it doesn't because, like, he's going to finish with numbers that are still fourth-line worthy and they're not paying him, like, a fourth-liner. They're paying him, like, a third-liner, like, they're paying him like a guy who can you know, maybe once in a while play in the fourth line, but is mostly a middle sixer, like a cheap middle sixer. And he has not been that. And even if he goes on a scoring tear, he's not going to be that. I don't know. Most of the guys that are getting hot now, like I don't really know. It hasn't really changed my opinion of them because a lot of the guys who are getting hot, who people were low on, I was never that low on. Like, Sean, Sean like, like, like Couture, I was never that low on. Like People yeah, were neither. pissed at him. Couture was dominating in terms of play driving stats, and yeah, the scoring wasn't there, but I looked at the numbers, it's like it's going to come eventually, and if it doesn't come this year, it's probably going to come next year. So the fact that it's come at the end of this season rather than the beginning of next year doesn't really matter that much to me. Same with Ghost. Like, Ghost was going to start scoring at some point. Maybe the health thing played a role in that, but it was also just getting really friggin' unlucky, and the luck started to turn his way. That's great. The only guy who I can honestly say his run at the end of the year is affecting my opinion of him is Drew, and that's just because a month and a half ago, I was really, really, really worried about him, and now I'm concerned, but I'm not terrified. I'm not. I'm really not worried about any of them. Maybe that's me being naive, but... I'm not worried. But if Sean Couturier, like if if his scoring evens out, let's okay. But if you're going to have a role player that's not expected to score, you want them to be Sean Couturier. You don't want them to be Belmar. If in a 44 game stretch he has 11 or what 14 points, that's not like they're going to miss the playoffs if that's who he is. And I guess my point is that I never thought that's who he was. Like yes, that's what he did, but I never viewed that as who he was. And I was sort of just waiting for a streak to come along because if your if your team's generating fifty five percent of the, the shot attempts when you're on the ice, like you're going to start scoring at some point. It's going to happen. And like, to have eight assists through forty seven games is not good enough. Yeah, agreed. But at the same time, and I said this on Twitter a few maybe last week, like Couturier is not going to be the guy who sets up a goal with a beautiful pass. Like that's just not him. He's not like he's a playmaker to a degree, but like most of his assists come from like him winning a puck battle and getting the puck to somebody who makes a good play or 
kickstarting a rush, and then the rush. That's, for, but like that's they, what I'm looking but, for. But, but what I'm saying is that Katuri is going to get a lot of his assists like that. And when every single other forward on the team can't buy a goal to save their lives, he's not going to get any assists because no one's finishing the smart plays that he's making. That, to me, was the biggest problem with Couturier. It wasn't necessarily anything he was doing because he was actually scoring at a pretty good rate of 5-on-5. Five five. It was just the assists were gone. His goal totals are pretty decent, all things considered. Yeah, they're not bad. And uh, But... I- He's going to collect a lot, like uh, a lot of secondary yeah, assists. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, that. Like Kopitar does, because he's starting the breakout. Yeah. Like uh, he's going to make that first pass into the neutral zone and collect his secondary assists that way. Couturier's turnaround is, I like it because I was really concerned last season was the anomaly and who he was in his first four years is really who he is offensively. But this Shen Weiss line, I kind of like it. And it's baffling because I. Just can't stand Del Weiss. I just, I just can't stand him. Well, what the one thing it does do? His career high is fourteen goals. Yeah, and he, it was funny. I think one of the uh, one of the national guys On was the like, broadcast. yeah, it was like, oh, well, the Flyers signed him thinking he was going to be a twenty goal guy. Like, He's never done it. His like, career yeah, they, high. They, they might have been hoping, yeah. but like they shouldn't have been going and expecting it because yeah. he's never done it. That was really yeah. dumb. Uh, He's bad. Matt Reed has turned it around a bit. He had five goals in those first five games, and we were all like, yeah! And then he had you know, 11 points through 52. We're like, oh, wow, this is, this is not good. And now he's got you know, six points in his last 12 games. He's scoring goals recently. But again, like this is Reed. Like, that, I guess that's why, like, yes, it's nice that Reed is scoring. That's great. But I never had the expectation after those first 10 games that Reed had like, miraculously refound his wrist shot and was going to become a 20-goal scorer. No, but like, you like, need to get it. He needs to be 12 to 15, not 6. True. But if he's, if he's playing primarily on the third and fourth lines, and he's driving play and in turn driving goal differential, which he's done this year. He's one of the few guys on the Flyers that has a positive goal differential. If he's doing that, I don't need him to score that many points. As long as the Flyers are outscoring other teams when he's on the ice and he's just playing on the bottom two lines, that's fine. I'm cool with that. Maybe he's a little overpaid, but he's not killing the team. He's certainly not a Belmar. Yeah, no, no. Or a Vandevelde. Well, uh, and mean, finally... Vandevelde's in his own tier. We, okay. <laughs> finally, yeah. Vandevelde is just not an NHL player, and it's unbelievable. Well, is it is Where it, is it my... as bad as the Andrew McDonald tier, or is it just like one above? I have it here. <sighs> That's a good question. <sighs> I, I See, I feel like the, the difference between McDonald and Vandevelde is like, they're both, in my view, not NHL players, but at least they recognize that Vandevelde is just a fourth liner. Mm. Whereas Haxtell and the Flyers do not seem to recognize that, like, look, if you're going to play McDonald, you better just use him on the third pair. Like, they think he's good. Yeah. At least they recognize that Vandevelde is not that good. That's but he's true. still an NHL player, a, but he's which, not that good. Which I think puts him I, a half a tier above Andrew McDonald. I have, a, I have a fun fact here about oh. Chris Vandevelde that I looked up. Uh, oh. I guess we'll get to it now. Since that 2011 offseason... When everything changed. When they brought him in? No, since... Oh, just, oh, when they since, blew, up the, when they uh, blew since, up the core. Since this team came to be. Right. So, all, all that. Chris Vandevelde has played 244 games for the Flyers, which is ninth most since 2011. Yeah. I believe that. He has been as much He's a part of this team as anybody... It's it's just... it's yeah. It blows my mind. But right now, now find, uh, the other guy finishing strong... First 42 games for Steve Mason, he had a 900 save percentage, and it was a struggle for him to get there. Mm. In his last 12 games, 926. He's he's a great goalie in the See, last 12 games. That makes me happy because we knew that's we we knew that he was better than what yeah. he was playing. We knew that that was not the Steve Mason that 
and that has been in Philadelphia. So it's it's good that you know at the end of the year maybe his uh, save percentage will even out. And that's why he hasn't been extended because he's better. He's good enough to earn a good contract and not good enough for GMs to want to pay it. And it's we talked yeah. about that. We I, talked I, about. I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't disagree with. That. We talked about yeah. that survey. How like GMs had him ranked twenty fourth, which is I mean I rank him lower than Charlie, and I still think twenty four is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think it's term. I think that that's why he hasn't been. That, and that, yeah, that yeah, yeah he's, he's gonna want a, a he's, long time. And he's gonna want gonna a real contract. I just don't think he's gonna get it. Like I, I really have this, you know. I have this scenario in my head where he goes, you know, hits free agency and he basically says, like, I want, you know, four or five years and over four or five mil a year. And he ends up just taking like a one year, one million dollar deal to be in a timeshare with a team because no one's willing to give him the money that his stats do say that he probably deserves. But nobody trusts him enough to give it to him. And he ends up just being one of those guys that kind of crawls back to someone with his tail between his legs, hoping that he gets a shot somewhere to get the big money contract next year. Like, I just, I don't know. Hopefully, I, I hope he gets the contract. I don't think he's going to get it from the Flyers, but I hope he gets the contract with someone because he deserves it. He's earned it. Maybe not this year, but over the past four years looking at his track record, he deserves to be a starting goalie in the NHL. He's better than a, quite a few of them. Yeah. But I can also, like, I can understand why GMs are hesitant to give him what his track record over the last four years would seemingly seemingly earn him, especially because this is his... This was his final salvo. This was his, like, his, yes, this is why I deserve that money. He goes out and has 906A percentage. Like, it's not going to, it's not going to create much confidence around the league around him. I, uh, I'm watching Philly Sports Talk today. And, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. But uh, I'm watching I'm watching it, and they bring up, of course, for some reason, we're still talking about Bob Rovsky. And I believe... Well, we just played oh, Columbus, yeah, so but, that's why. Yeah, I understand I mean, that. He, he won that game for yeah. single-handed. Uh, yeah, I understand. I, it's just like, it's like people can't grasp that he just... Yeah, it was dumb to give Briz that contract, and the way Peter Laviolette handled the end of that season uh, before they got Briz, uh, how they handled Bob and Boucher and that whole thing was dumb, but it just wasn't going to work. And yeah, he won that Vezina, and he could very well win another this year. But let's not pretend... He's been the model of consistency. He might be the best goalie in the NHL since we got rid of him if he's healthy, yeah. which yeah. he just yeah. hasn't been. I agree with that. He misses a ton of time, and a lot of it is just like he 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 moves around like Hasek in there and pulls his groin. And Ron Hextall, our GM now, knows how a nagging groin injury can just ruin everything. So when Bob stays healthy, it's excellent, but like I wish he was still here. I would love an awesome goalie. Like talking about goalies frustrates me to no end. Steve Mason won his <laughs> Steve Mason won his 100th game as a Flyer. I think the Minnesota win. It was recently, yeah. I think the Minnesota win was his 100th win as a Flyer, third most in franchise history behind only Ron Hextall and Bernie Perrant. Pretty good. Pretty good. And they're the, pretty, they're pretty those good guys goalies. have like upper twos, like it's not even. But that's the thing is, you have two like legends of the franchise, and then a whole bunch of nothing. Yeah, like and I, Steve Mason's yeah. been as good as anyone. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that, I was thinking about that when they were talking about it on the on the show. Like, okay, well, who's number three? And I was like, well, I guess like from a talent standpoint, probably Limburg. But like he had like eighty six. Yeah, I mean, obviously he didn't play that long yeah. because unfortunately there was the tragedy. But like, I mean, is he the number three best goalie in, in franchise history just purely because when he played, he was great? Great, probably. Him and Czech Monik are like, uh, in terms of like the time they spent here in their numbers, are like the best. But it's just the long, 
the longevity just wasn't there. Yeah, when the Chekmatic, I mean, just yeah. the, the he just the, quit. The, yeah, the, the the other stuff. Yeah, he was like, peace. Him. Yeah, he was just like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that auto series, though. I mean, like that's how I felt too. So I, I can't totally fault him for to, that. To go back to the Bob point, though, yeah. what does bother me about the way the Bob trade is framed? A lot of people talk about, oh, the Bob trade was so bad. And like, yeah, in a vacuum, it was bad because they traded him and then he immediately wins the Vezina the next year. The thing was, was that like the Flyers at that point did not have a choice. Not only, no. and, and, and this is something that um, it was in the, the 50th anniversary coffee table book that came out this year, which is really good. It, you can lose hours just reading through all those seasons. But one thing that was in that book was that basically Bobrovsky came to the Flyers after that one season that he spent his back up to, to Briz and was like, look, I'm not going to basically said, I want to be traded. I'm a starter. He's yeah. like, I want to be traded. And if you don't trade me, I'm going back to the KHL when my contract expires and you're not going to get anything for me. So at True. that at that point, you're the Flyers and you're like, well, we got Brisgall signed for another eight years. I guess we got to trade this guy because like he's we, we're going to lose him for nothing at the end of next year anyway. So they trade him. Like the, the mistake there was not the trade. The mistake was necessitating the trade by Guaranteeing all those years yeah, and money that, to Prisgal. That, that was the, where they lost Bob. It's unbelievable that they couldn't look at that rookie season for Bob for what yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, uh, this guy doesn't speak any English. His girlfriend can't even get a, a, a friggin' green card. And, like, he just had the best rookie seat. And, you know, Hextall and Lindbergh, like, you know, he beat them in terms of rookie production. And we're, we're looking at, yeah. He wasn't good at the end when uh, he played more games than he ever did maybe in his career. <laughs> I can't, it's just so frustrating that they couldn't look at that season for what it was and go, yeah, it's something we can build around. This is yeah. a goalie of the future here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, rest in peace at Snyder, but like, yeah. it was him. I mean, he, yeah, absolutely. He basically got sick of watching Michael Layton give away the finals and then watching that goalie carousel the next year and was like, we're just not dealing with this again. And it sucks because like, you know, I understand where he was coming from, but like, shit, you just had to wait one more year yeah. and you would have had it. You would have had him. I bl- and I, like, in order, I blame LaViolette, Snyder, Holmgren. Yeah. And I blame Holmgren for everything, but <laughs> I blame LaViolette, who's my maybe my favorite coach in team history, but that's on him. But he lost his mind in that the way. Uh, yeah, I, I was, that team I was, was just coming apart at the seams. I would love, there was so much wrong with that team. I would love like a 30 for 30 on, I, th- I don't even know if you mentioned this, but love like a 30 for 30 from January of that year to yeah. the end of the, pl- well, to the trades probably, because that has to be like one of the most interesting periods in franchise Pronger history. Pronger injured the wrist injury when he was just furious at the world because he couldn't shoot and yeah. wanted to kill everyone like there are reports of him in screaming matches with Giroux yeah he was yelling like, at Giroux like of everyone you could scream at like alright you wanted to strangle Richards and Carter or something <laughs> go for it man like him and Giroux got into it that's that's almost hard to believe but it's not like Pronger was the nicest dude in the world either well, but then yeah the Buffalo series like Zach Ronaldo had his first NHL yep. game in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. They decided they're going to call up Zach Ronaldo. We needed toughness. They just need that toughness. They just had because Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo was the seventh seed, and they were straight up pushing the Flyers around, and they straight up called in Oogie Oglethorpe, and that is a slap shot reference. And stuff. then Game Six, they start okay. Leighton, who gets bombed, and then they come back and win the damn game. Like it was just the weirdest series. Somehow they won the series, and then they go into ball, they go play Boston, they get swept. But like. Yeah, that was just that was an insane, insane four four or five month period. It was nuts. Steph, can you tell me why I'm like 
<laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why, why is Bill? Why am no. I the way I am? <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, can you tell me why I'm frustrated with, with Jake Voracek? Because he's over three quarters of a point a game. He's the leading scorer on a team that can't score. Mm-hmm. He does a ton of his damage at even strength, which nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Sean Couturier has been pretty good. But like no overall, no one scores at even strength. Jake does. Why am I like frustrated with Jake Voracek? Well, you see, it's consistency. And everything that everyone has been saying about Braden Shen for the past couple years is what you're feeling about Jake Voracek, except we know that Jake Voracek is better than what he is right now. They're all better than what they are right now. But I'm not frustrated with Simmons and I'm not frustrated with Shen who are like those same well, type of Jake, inconsistent. Well, because they're power forwards and Jake is more skilled than the two of them. I, I think it's expectations. I think we expect it more from Jake and to to bring up the you know the the advanced metrics like Voracek for years has been a dominant play driver like one of the not only one of the best in the team but one of the best in the league and this year he hasn't been like it, it's it's legitimately interesting to look at his numbers and like they're about average not like average but like average relative to his teammates like he doesn't he this year he has not dragged up his teammates metrics like he's done in the past and like, am I concerned about that yeah to a little bit I do think he'll probably bounce back because he's doing enough with the puck, especially in the neutral zone, to make me think that that'll come back. But, like, yeah, there's he hasn't been the dominant play driver this year at 5-on-5 five five that he's been in the past. And it's weird because I watch him and it seems like it's all just, like, little things. It's like he gets the puck in the zone and rather than create a chance, he fumbles the puck away. Or, like, it's just little things like that. And you're, like, you're you're doing nine out of the ten things you need to do to make a goal. And then that last thing, you're fucking up. Like, um, I go back to the... Uh the goal in the stadium series game. That just really sweet play he made. Oh, yeah, score. where he made Justin Schultz yeah. an idiot. Yeah. And I like look at him with the puck a lot this season, and he's just fidgety, like accepting yeah. passes. Yeah. He just like it, it seems like the puck hops over his stick three times every game. And uh, he gets the puck. Uh, Joey was talking about it uh, last time he was in here, two, three shows ago, whenever it was. And it's like. He gets the puck over the blue line and immediately throws it into someone's shin pads. Like I just can't like I can't actually describe what I'm frustrated with and I acknowledge his actual scoring numbers 0.76 points a game. That's about what I'm looking for from him. Uh, those are fine and I I'm still just frustrated with something about it. I don't know and this is again just a theory but like I do think it's possible that he could be playing injured. Uh, just because of how strong he started the year and how good he looked via the eye test to start the year. I don't know what happened around December, but he just hasn't looked like the same guy maybe since like the end of the uh, the end of the 10 game winning streak. And he's we're just, doing this in a show in which he just scored two goals. Yeah, I mean, well, he's still a very good player. Yeah. It's just that like in my mind, I mean, I did one of those ranked the NHL players going into the season, and this was after last year, which was obviously a disappointment, and I still ranked him as one of the top 30 players in the NHL. After this season, I don't think I'd rank him in the top 30 anymore. I don't know if I'd rank him in the top 50. I might, because I think you still do have to take into account the the past performance over the last few years, but he's not, he, he's taken a step back, and this go, kind of goes back to what Steph's been saying, like how much of that do you attribute to him and how much of that do you attribute to the coach? Like that's where you get into the debates where, you know, there's not really an answer. 
you just kind of, you know, everybody yells at each other and then we kind of agreed like, well, we're not, we're not really going to know until next year if we see if he bounces, you know. And it's not even like bouncing back because as you said, it's not like he's been bad. It's just that he hasn't been as good as he can be and it, it can get annoying. And as I said, like, he'll do a lot of things right on play. Like, he'll get the puck deep in his own zone, skate it out, blast through the neutral zone, you know, have a, have a defenseman trying to, to break up the entry. He'll bully his way past him, circle around the net, go to make a pass, and Giroux's right in the slot, and he passes it two feet behind him. Like, that's, he'll do, like, everything up until the last play, and then something goes wrong. And then you don't get a shot on goal, you don't get anything, and the puck's going back the other way, and the other team's transitioning. Like, that's happened too much with Voracek this year, and I don't know what it is, but I agree, it's happened too much, and you've seen it in the play driving numbers. As we uh, as we transition into the offseason, we're going to get more and more time to assess uh, what the general plan is going forward and what what Steph? Can't the season just be over already? Seven, seven like, games. Like no, but like now, Bill oh, seven. like just oh. seven games. And then of course we got to wait through the playoffs. But then after that, we'll have the expansion draft. We'll have free agency. Well, we're, we'll I have mean, the we're, amateur yeah. draft. We're not going anywhere in the offseason. No, no. Just for anybody who's who's worried that. You're not going to have any any misery to listen to on a weekly basis. We may take a week off because I think maybe we deserve vacation, but there's a good chance that we will not. Um, but let's talk. Can we talk about these last seven games? Like what what could the Flyers do potentially to their draft position with these next seven games? Because they're not making the playoffs, right? There's they they haven't been mathematically eliminated, but it's close. I think they're going to end up. Uh, what are they in points percentage, Charlie? Right now they're ninth, yeah. ninth from the bottom. But then you have to account for the fact that Vegas is going to get one of the top six spots. Yeah. So at this point, they're like they're tenth in terms of yeah. like lottery likelihood and whatnot, which means they're probably going to end up tenth. But there's teams that could theoretically pass them, like Winnipeg and Buffalo are not out of striking distance to if they go on a run and the Flyers lose out, it could pass them. Maybe even Dallas and Detroit. I, 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 I love I, Carolina going on a run now. Yeah. <laughs> Good I mean, for hey, them. Yeah. Way to go, Carolina. Wow. Hey, if it gets them a better, yeah. worse traffic than the Flyers, I'm cool with it. I mean, Los Angeles, Florida, Winnipeg, Buffalo, they could, they could potentially beat out the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, they're all the teams that, like, if you've totally went into draft pick spots, that they're the teams you're rooting for every night to win. Yep. Like, yeah, go go Jets, go Sabres, go Kings, Panthers, Stars, and Red Wings. They're, those, in my mind, are the six teams where you want them to outperform the Flyers over the rest of the year, so the Flyers, rather than picking 10th, they're picking 7th. Alright. I'm fine with that. Uh... But as we ugh, as we transition, I, just want to throw up. I, I hate the season. So it'll much. end. It'll end soon enough. <laughs> uh, but as we transition into the off season, we'll have more evidence, uh, you know, more data by which to grade Ron Hextall. Because, like I said, mm. expansion draft, free agency, the entry draft, and this is finally they're going to start to have some breathing room. They're going to start to make the moves to transition towards this plan that he's been, you know, mapping out. All this time, it's finally going to start to come together. It's all part of the plan. But up until now, how do we grade Ron Hextall? And I wanted to do this when Kelly's here, but something tells me we're going to be doing this for the next couple of months. This this will be a weekly. This is going to be what we do. This will be the what are you doing, Dave Hextall, of the offseason. How do we critique Hextall so far? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, that's where it is. Like, he's done some really, really great things. 
he's done some things that I'm a little questionable about. I I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think the sample size is large enough. We'll see what he does this off season. I think that I can give it probably a better assessment going into next season. I think there are two things that he's done very very well as GM. Number one is he's done a very good job in the draft. I've I've loved his drafts and not just the players that he's taken and how like connecting and pro overall for both looking like really good NHL players. It's the fact that he's adjusted the Flyers mentality in terms of who they draft. They draft for skill now. They don't draft for grit. They draft guys like Tanner Lazinski in the sixth round, who is basically a point per game player in his first college year. And usually in the sixth round, they're drafting nobodies. Like they're 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 Tyrell first... Goldborn was a third round pick. It's true. And then Derek Mathers is a seven. Like yeah. they, 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 oh every year they would take guys yeah. who are just like, what the fuck? And Steve Downey was a first round pick. Yeah. And like he, I like he at least scored he did. in juniors. He did okay. Yeah, he scored in juniors. Okay. But you okay knew what first he, stint here. You knew who he was. Yeah, I mean he was he was insane. But the draft I love. I love his drafting. I love the mentality that his he has the scouts following. I like the the sleepers they're getting. They're building up the pipeline really well, and that's a lot to do with Hextall. I also love the fact that he's done a very good job of getting out of some sticky cap situations. The trades that he's made, I'm talking um, the, the Grossman-Pronger trade. I'm talking the mm-hmm. Vinny trade. Like He's made some very good trades to get them out of some rough cap situations to open up space, and it does give me hope that maybe, just maybe, there's some plan to eventually get rid of McDonald. Just because he has done it before, he's gotten out of weird spots, maybe he can do it. The thing that just I keep going back to that I worry about is the evaluation of NHL talent. I, I, I worry about... When Hextall has the cap space to make splashes in free agency, who is he going to sign? Because the guys he signed so far have not been that good, and you you just worry about you know you know what you worry about you worry about like the Flyers getting pulled into like a David Backus contract, yeah, where like they lock him up because like well we need grit up front, and then you what do you know you're paying a guy five million dollars at age thirty five and he sucks like. Just because Hexall has been good at getting out of the Vinny contract doesn't mean that he I'm won't not, hand doesn't the mean next that I'm not out. worried about him yeah. giving out the next one. Yeah. That's what concerns me about Hextall. And as you said, we don't have a huge sample size. Maybe Dale Weiss is an anomaly. Maybe believing that RJ Umberger wasn't finished was an anomaly, was a one-time mistake. But it's starting to pile up a little bit. Yeah. And that's they, a bit of a concern. The Umberger thing to me, it wasn't so much that he sucked. I think it's that they under-evaluated how much Hartnell had left. Possibly. Because I think they Mm -hmm. looked at those two contracts and said, we're going to have to buy out Hartnell because he's going to go. There's less term on Umbergers, so we can get out of this, and it'll be less of a crippling buy. And I also think that they... I, I don't think they were looking at Humberger as getting bought out. I think they thought Humberger had more in the tank than he actually did. There's also that. I think yeah. they thought they could get like another year out of him, and he'd be not the 20-goal scorer that Hartnell was, but he could help out on the PK and chip in in the middle yeah, six. Yeah, I agree but I do believe it was buyout based. I there, think there, they, there was there was other there were other aspects to that trade. The shorter I, term, I, I agree, but. It was, it was a bad trade. It was a bad trade. It was a bad trade. And Grant Hartnell hasn't been Mr. Popularity in Columbus. I mean, he spent a lot of this year on the fourth line. But his rate stats are still really good. Like, he still produces when he's out there. He's just been in 
you know, the doghouse of his coach for a yeah, while. And if, which isn't if R.J. Umberger got one shift a game this year, he'd still be the worst player in hockey. Yeah. <laughs> be- Remember when Umberger, like, at the end of the year was saying how he, he still thought he could play in the NHL and he yeah. was excited wow. to hit free agency and get a shot somewhere else? And, like, yes. all, all, the, all the fans are just like, dude, like, like you're not a bad guy, but you're finished. No, like in that, but like he played he didn't get a, a tryout contract this year. Yeah, like he didn't get a PTO. Like yeah, that's, that's you pretty know, bad. Yeah. Things were bad. In critiquing Hextall, my thing is, um, I want to know how different like our own expectations are from his because he's done basically nothing to improve the team. Like he went out and signed Dale Weiss, and that was it. Like he hasn't. He don't forget in, Boyd Gordon. Yeah, Boyd Gordon to take some of the PK minutes away from Claude Giroux, and they <laughs> got out of that inside of two months. Like, uh, you know, uh, we all kind of thought they were transitioning already, but in seeing what Hextall has done, they're kind of just playing a waiting game. And when his when his message to the fan base is stay patient, that doesn't mean hey, things are going to be great. Like, I've never I've never said to anyone, hey, stay patient with me. I'm going to tell you something you're going to agree with. You know, <laughs> whenever I say to Steph, hear me out on this, it's because I'm about to say something ridiculous that she's not going <laughs> to like. <laughs> well, you, sometimes you fix it at the end. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, I... I the, the, the first 80% of it are right. insane, and then... So, it's, it's calm, calm the F down, let me get this out, and it'll be okay... Maybe. But that's kind of, <laughs> Hextall, his first 80% is these last couple of seasons, and then it's going to be like, hey, check this out. I got Oscar Lindblom in the fifth round. That's good, guys. Like, so I'm not, like you said, fully ready to critique him yet, Yeah. but it's coming, and these things that I've been waiting for better work out, or I will turn on him quickly, because I can't watch bad hockey any longer. This shit is so frustrating, I can't take it. It's not fun. I love hockey. And you know what I did this weekend? Recorded both games and did other things. I I watched them this morning because I have this show, but I didn't (sighs) want to. I watched the Phantoms game yesterday instead of watching the beginning of the Flyers game. And they went to overtime and I was standing in front of my TV yelling and jumping and, and Missy didn't know what was going on. But I haven't done that for the Flyers in two years. Like I, I was more oh, excited that's... over amateur yeah. overtime than, well, I, they're, I guess they're pros, but you know, junior league, level yeah. overtime than I am for any regular season Flyers game. Here's the thing that I keep going back to with the whole, you know, for lack of a better term, the trust the process with regards to Hextall. <laughs> with the prospects and how when these guys come up everything will be better and like it might be but let's let's take a let's take a step back and look at like the best case scenario the best case scenario is Lindblom is a top six forward in the NHL Sanheim is a top four NHL defenseman maybe a top pair Myers the same deal Moran's probably either a second pair or a third pair guy Hag is probably a second pair or a third pair guy like if all that happens and if everybody pans out exactly we want them to like they're gonna have to trade some people and mm-hmm. the question is, is like, will they trade the right ones? Will they trade the right ones? <laughs> you know, whoever they trade is the next Justin Williams. But but that, that's my <laughs> point. Like like like, who's to say that? Like, what if what if Sam Moran is a third pair talent, 
and Sanheim is a first pair talent. But because Sanheim takes too many risks, and because Moran is like, well, we know who he is, then oh we trade Sanheim. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh that, God, like that's, that's uh, the that's the kind of stuff that you worry about. That even in a best case scenario, if you have a, if you have a GM who isn't that good at evaluating NHL talent, you can end up screwing yourself over. That's, that's why you coach want, over player, and that terrifies. But like, me. that's why I want to see Hextall show in this offseason that he can bring in either like a diamond in the rough and free agency or make a slick make a slick trade or something like that to give me faith that that's not going to happen to give me faith that like he's that that he and the coach are going to evaluate these kids correctly know what they have in them and if they have to trade one of them because like you can't sign six studs to you know five million dollar plus contracts that they'll be able to get good players back for them i fully believe one of sanheim or myers will be traded because that's how you get your number one i don't think i don't think it'll be one of them i think it will be one of the defensive prospects and i think in the future it'll be one of the goalie prospects but they're gonna i mean if more than one of these goalies turn out yeah, they're gonna have to trade them. Which is, uh, I yeah, think that's that, great. That's why you stockpile talent, and and that's all good. But I I don't have a, a ton of confidence that it'll be Myers or Sandheim. Sandheim, I, I will also riot. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you're gonna get so. a top tier forward, you got to trade a good defenseman. That's I mean, the thing. Like how did how did Columbus get or how did Nashville get Ryan Johansson? They traded Seth Jones. Yeah, Seth, Seth Jones is a stud, but like that's how you get a top tier forward is you trade a top and tier with defenseman. Provorov with one of Sandheim's you know slash Myers with Ghost with then Moran Hag throw Gudus into the mix yeah. as well because he signed up. You only have so many spots. Exactly. You only have so much money. If you need to go get that center, that guy, I think Sandheim or Myers. I think those are the two most similar. Like, yeah, they're, they're they're more offensive, whereas I know, think, Moran and yeah. Haig are but more. more those are the guys I think you can't get as much. Yeah, for. I would agree. With I, that. Like they're in your lineup. I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows how they develop? Yeah, exactly. Like, who knows how and, they develop? Absolutely. I mean, Moran is huge, and guys like I mean, coaches like big dudes. Unfortunately, big stay at home. We're not trading them to us. Yeah, <laughs> but the, the, but there are other idiots out there. For how long? <laughs> the, the point the point I'm making though yeah, is yeah, that yeah. like even if all the prospects pan out and everything's great, like eventually NHL talent decisions are going to have to be made, and I want to believe that Hexall will make the right decisions. But he, I, I think it's fair to say he needs to show me something in this offseason to give me the trust that he will make the right decisions on the NHL talent. I'm not concerned about his amateur scouting. I'm not concerned about the guys he's bringing That's in. That's been good. The kids. That's been good. I want to have more faith in his NHL talent evaluation. And that is all the time we have for you on PSH Radio. That was another fast... I can't fast, believe that was an that hour. That was a ridiculously fast hour. I thought Taylor, when I asked him how much time, I thought he was going to say like 10 minutes, and he was like two. Oh, well. Yeah, so uh, another fast hour. That was a lot of fun, guys. Like Steph said, we're going to stick with you. Uh, season's winding down. We're going to be here because... Because else, we're masochists. We're, we we're not going And anywhere. we know no one else is talking flyers in this town. We're the only ones you got. True. And you're the only ones we have. You're stuck with us. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're all stuck. But uh, you love us, thanks. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great week, Philly. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score a hockey goal? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys! The Flyers! Broadstreet Hockey Radio! Turn the shit up, you motherfucker!
I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>